Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yep, you are listening to Hornet Cast. All the buzz about cybersecurity. I'm really happy to be hanging out with you guys again. It's been a been a, like a month or so since the last time we hung out talking all things cybersecurity, and we got the cast and crew here. We have Oliver Denning, we have Greg Beer Temple, and we have Jeff Locke, all from Hornet Security. Guys, thanks for stopping in. Thanks Thank for you. Having us. Yeah. So first off, I always want to start our podcast off with a little background about what Hornet Security is up to. And, Craig, you're on the hook today. <laughs> Oliver said ahead of time, he's like, Craig, you're, 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 you're taking this one. Well, Hornet Security is, uh, I, I guess the easiest way that I describe it is we're the cloud security pioneer. Uh, we deal in IT security, uh, web, data, email, uh, for primarily small to medium-sized businesses. That's our sweet spot. Um, we have about 200 employees. Uh, we've been around for about 12 years now. Um, based in Germany, in Hanover. We have offices now in the United States. We just acquired a Spanish company as well, Spamina. Uh, we have, a, uh, I think, presence in six countries. So we are a global you IT are. security company. It doesn't but, get more global than that, for crying out loud. We do have a Yinzer presence. We, We're here in Pittsburgh, and um, uh, we are expanding our office, adding partners, and looking to help out small, medium-sized businesses uh, Protect Absolutely. their email, their web, and their data. And what I love most about doing this podcast is Oliver travels all the way from Germany just to do this. Just to do this right. podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's how dedicated this guy is. <laughs> I'm glad to be hanging out with you, Oliver. Oliver, obviously, you are back and forth between Germany and Pittsburgh quite a bit. And uh, we're so glad that you brought Hornet to Pittsburgh. As you mentioned in our previous podcast, like, this is your place to be. As I said, I love Pittsburgh. It's really great to be Very here. cool. It's a great city. Absolutely. And then, of course, Jeff, so our listeners know a little bit about you. What are you up to these days? I'm still working for Hornet. Still? Uh, All right. Building is, that is, brand is, development. Is, is there some question to that? Uh, <laughs> nothing's really changed in the last month other right. than some advancements. Definitely. Um, we're just pushing the brand, and we're excited to see some traction in the area. Very cool. So it's been doing a lot of great work in, in the marketing end with not okay. only our web presence, but some other parts of our of our assets that we have. and. Yeah. Uh, it's good to have somebody with a fresh perspective, and he definitely brings a good fresh Makes all the difference sometimes, that's oh, yeah. for sure. Without question. And Appreciate too much it. energy. No, too much. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit, sometimes. <laughs> so today we're talking about GDPR, otherwise known as the General Data Protection Regulation. We've been hearing a lot about this. It's what's going on within the EU, and uh, it means lots for people here in the States and all about security. And I don't know, Craig, where should we jump off on this one? Well, I think for us here in the States, I don't think most companies or most people are familiar with what GDPR is and what it protects and what the purpose of the regulations are, or even right. how they came to be. But I do know that they're they're very aware of their privacy in we terms love of our privacy <laughs> over here. And in terms of being with, with all the recent data breaches that are happening and some big ones and some local ones, you know, the city of Washington, PA, Baltimore, um, LabCorp, Quest Diagnostics. And these are breaches that just happened in the last week. And we're talking about tens of millions of, 
of records of yours and my it's, information. It, it's absolutely frightening. It really is. I think it's really scaring people into knowing or at least realizing that maybe we need to do something here. Um, I know that we're somewhat over-regulated, over-restricted, and there are obviously pressures on everyone to do the right thing. But I believe Americans are at the point now where they're upset and they want something done. And I think that they would probably welcome something like GDPR here in the States. It's funny because before we kind of jumped on to record this, we were just loosely talking that we feel like the United States is just full of regulations, obviously. But it seems like not so much when it comes to all things around our our privacy and our our online privacy, data privacy, all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, it seems incredibly lax. My my impression is quite different. I always had the impression that, well, essentially in the United States you're kind of free to do whatever you want and unless there's really a law that forbids what you do. And I feel like there's so many the laws law, that I can't do anything. Yeah, no, I don't think I know what I'm allowed to do. <laughs> no, I mean, exactly. I mean, I mean uh, it's, a, it's a country where, well, people go to have their freedom, right? Freedom exactly. to, to, to do the business or whatever they want to do. Um, that's why people came over here from Europe hundreds of years ago to, to be free of whatever happened in Europe. And I think that's also partly the source uh, of the differences in how privacy is regarded over here in Germany. Uh, I, that's great insight. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. The um, one impression I had when I when I came over here, I don't know if you realize that in Europe, in most countries in Europe, you have um, an, an ID, a photo ID. Um, it's not the passport; it's your ID. Right, and you're supposed to have it and to carry it. It's not a driver's license. It's an actual, like, it's an ID yes, to say this is Oliver Denning. Yeah, this is an officially government-issued ID card. And actually, it has changed a bit. You're no longer supposed to carry it. But, for example, if you check into a hotel, it was always the case that you have to, to show your ID, to enter in your name and so on, because the hotels, wherever you are, they're supposed by law to, to track people that are in that hotel. So the question is, why is that? And the point is the state, the government, wants to know where you are every night. Why do they want to know that? I think that's right? good and I think that's, that's bad. A, that's a I don't pretty, know. That's, that, that, that's a pretty, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's any longer the real idea behind that. That, okay. that. that was the original idea behind that, right? Control where everybody is at night. Well, over here, it has changed a bit but for different reasons. Over here, when you check into a hotel, the thing they care more, most about is the credit, is card. The credit card. Exactly. Right. But, it's, but that's also a great way to track you as well, too. You get your credit yeah. card number. They know who you are. But, but, but the issue is different, right? They, right? they care about getting the money, getting paid at the end. They don't really care about who you are. So the impression I had when I first came into the country and every time after that was it's pretty difficult to get in. In immigration, when you get in, there are long queues. It might take one hour, two hours. Well, and and now uh, there are means to to make that a little faster. But still, it's usually a, it's a, as, an entailed as process. As a, as if you're getting in, right. traveler, you it will take you an hour or so to get through immigration, and oh, it's a bit excitement behind that, right? I always get nervous. I feel like yeah, something's yeah. going to happen that it was beyond my control, and all yeah. of a sudden they're hauling me to a weird room and they're yeah. saying, "Hey." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And and but once you're through that, nobody really cares. Uh, it's right? it's you, wide you're open. Supposed, right? You're supposed to give the first address of where you stay, and after that, nobody really cares. 
And um, so that's what I understand um, is a kind of freedom that in Europe, well, I, I wouldn't say we're not free, but, but that's, that does not exist in Europe, right? They, exactly. They want to know where you are every day. And it's a bit different among the countries. Um, but essentially, in Italy and Spain, it's the same story, right? You check into a hotel, they ask for your ID. They have to, by law. Nowadays, uh, when you check into a hotel here in the U.S., they ch- check your ID too, but the reason is different. Exactly right. Security. Right. <laughs> so so, this, so this, this whole mindset and culture goes into the GDPR as to how these regulations work. Can we maybe go over kind of what, what are some of the key things with GDPR and how it's kind of being way more proactive, I guess, in many ways, of, of keeping people safe online, keeping their data safe online as opposed to the, uh, the, more, the less buttoned-down uh, version say, of here in the I States. I would say as a, as a reaction to that, yeah. the government trying to kind of control everything. Um, and if you, if you think about people leaving Europe 100 years ago or so, why did they leave? Because they were not allowed to do what they wanted to do. And they exactly. came over here to do what they wanted to do. It might be a religion or whatever. And um, as a reaction or a counter-reaction to that, we no longer have kingdoms where we have kingdoms, but, but essentially these, these are not all democracies. So we really care about government not knowing everything about us. And this is why we care a lot about privacy. Right? There's exactly. some kind of counter-reaction to what governments did in the past, and especially we have very bad examples in Germany with the Nazi Reich, the Third Reich, and uh, afterwards in Eastern Germany, uh, the German Democratic Republic, so-called Democratic Republic, um, where there was a Stasi in the the GDR and in uh, the Third Reich. We had the uh, SD and people really trying to control everything in, in the daily life of the population. And what we have now, the, the discussion around privacy and the laws around privacy um, that originated a lot in Germany is a counter-reaction to that. We don't want that again, right? So exactly. That's why we have right, laws right, right. against it. And over here, there's not that tradition of controlling everything. But only now people seem to be realizing, well, there is an issue. Well, with the technologies you have today and the data that's at stake, it seems like maybe we need to kind of bring that level up a little bit and be a little more controlling, right, Craig? And and possibly we're at fault because we're gullible, and I've never read a TOS in my life. I've always just hit accept. (laughs) And I just assume... That my best interests are in mind. Exactly but right. That's me being gullible. And some of those are really frightening when you just sign them because if you look at what's behind them, you're giving away all types of privacy. Like, yes, we have access to the microphone. This is where your privacy. Your this is where your privacy. You can access can your camera too. Why not? Sure. Well, this is where the privacy gets compromised, and and I'm just looking at it as, as me as a user. Mm-hmm. The amount I almost feel like I've been deceived, if not lied to, uh, by Facebook. Um, I thought it was, and they've made it incredibly difficult. To, to navigate their security and their settings and their privacy. So, as an example, who has access right. to me and my information? When do they see it? How do they see it? What? The, how are they getting paid for it? Exactly. I think that's maybe where the fever is here in the states: is that our our data is being bought and sold and traded and gathered and collected without us even knowing. Well, no one really knew what they were doing when they were signing those things away because it was so new. 
And when you have such a fast track of advancement, it's a great point. There's Jeff. not enough time to sit back and actually look at the results of each thing and say, "Hey, well, this is what happened here." And we went from MySpace to Facebook, and then we went from Facebook to IG, and then IG to Snapchat, and then we had ride sharing services. So the the whole landscape itself has advanced so quickly that it it's, doesn't keep it's, up, it's, right? Yeah, there's, it's not being gullible. It's just we we weren't prepared. We weren't prepared, yeah. Because well, once again, have you ever read a TOS? No. And why is that? Because no one told us yeah. about it. No one really. It's like, yes, I want this. Because if you don't sign it, then you're not getting the service exactly. that you want. So you have no choice. I'm starting to believe that that's where this upswell of concern over privacy now. It's it's on every topic. You see Mark Zuckerberg, you know, being testifying in front of Congress and. Do you trust him? Do, do you, is what is he saying the truth? Of course it is. He has got my best interest in mind. You know, for me, if exactly. I if I could be a typical American, I would want some regulations. I don't want to be. It's not regulations on me. I want the regulations placed on yeah. those people that are bartering, trading, selling my information. I would agree with it. you. Yeah, I see myself as being more of a. I, 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 I like to see less regulations in general, but at times I believe there are certain regulations that are just necessary to make sure commerce flows the way it does, yes. that that security is kept where it should be, and I think. Maybe there's more of the GDPR type of things that we need here in the States, just because. To save us from ourselves, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Well, there, there, there are regulations that everybody accepts as useful, right? Okay. There are speed limits, for example, on the street, right? It, it's uh, it's probably useful that not anybody can can drive around the city with 100 miles per hour. You've got the right car, you know. <laughs> yeah, might be fun for that guy, but not, for, not, on, not on not, Pittsburgh streets. Not, no. not for all the others. <laughs> And therefore, it's well accepted that there must be a street limit. Not everybody maybe accepts the actual street limit, but they stay within a range. It still keeps generally, it relatively. Generally right. speaking, I would say there is a lot of acceptance for having a speed limit, and the same is true for a lot of other areas. And the same should be true for how to handle data, especially private data. Right. So I'm curious. So with a lot of the customers that you have at, at, at Hornet Security, I mean, they're coming to you with these issues. Craig, what, what, what are people typically coming with are, as, there, as these concerns are arising? And obviously, you, you counsel them and provide solutions for them. As, as I think Jeff might business. be better to talk on that. Uh, I, I guess the answer I would give you that's a, a really good example would be HIPAA compliance. So yeah. um, a lot of a lot of the companies we work with are looking for um, a company that can store their their data correctly. But the medical that, records, which we're talking about, it's a lot about, of archiving, which is about as a most important type of data that you need sure. to protect in this day and age is your health data, right? And since we're locally, there's so many big healthcare companies. Exactly. You're hearing a lot about this right now. So um, we've taken it upon ourselves to put a trust campaign together for that sector specifically Very to cool. kind of teach people what they should be looking for, what solutions. And scare them with them. some statistics well, that are scary. I mean, there are scary do you statistics. you have some scary stats? I want to be freaked out. You no, know, I, I, I don't know off the top of my head. I don't memorize the stats. Uh, I know that stuff's getting hacked left and Right, and we don't want to think about it. But, but in terms of like PHI, right. personal health information, right. um, LabCorp and Quest Diagnostics, I think there are a total of 12 million records breached at Quest Diagnostics. So if you've had a blood test done in the last 10 years, somebody knows your social security number now. That's nice. Uh, LabCorp process. Well, that plus, you know, the whole Experian thing. and uh, <laughs> Sure. But this, these are ones that just happened in the last week, and they happen. And next week, there'll be another round. And the next week after that, there'll be right. another round. So when companies I, – I, I think they're, they're starting to, to be proactive. They're not going to wait until next year. They're going to think about doing something now. And, and you know, for us, our, our strong suit has always been email security. 
Uh, and that's where all this begins. It's the number one attack. That's where it always begins is through an email. Over 90% of all breaches are a result of, a, of an email. Um, and malware, especially now even with malware becoming so sophisticated, um, there's a trend now at airports. If you've ever gone to an airport and plugged in your phone with your to charge your phone. Don't do it. Don't do it. They're, they're creating devices that will install malware and transfer that data onto your phone. Um, so now there is a market and a device that's created that only allows juice to go through, electricity, no no data. New data. Similar um, to how you, when you scan a credit card into an ATM machine and they have a reader that right. you know, steals your information. It's the same thing. Crazy. Uh, so, you know, there are all these threats now. So I think from our perspective, yeah. email, they always want to lock down their email and make sure they're, they're, they're getting less spam. Uh, they want, uh, well, at least now, you know, employees are a great source of, of, of how hackers and cyber criminals get into companies. Um, you know, you'll pick up your iPhone or your Droid or whatever and click on a link in your email. Uh, how do you know that link is secure? Is there anything right. that's going to, you know, we have a great product, an advanced threat protection product that okay. will scan those URLs that will check for threats. See, that's um, what I'm talking about. This is some of the things, like, I go back to Oliver's point where we need some, some, some like, speed limits, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. We need to know that on these streets it's 30 miles an hour, and maybe you do 40, no big deal. But the idea that everybody should have something set up on their email that's going to look at Every email or every every website address to see if it's a if it's a legit address and it's not some spoof site or something like that. So I look at that as being like a thirty mile an hour speed limit sign that you got to have on your email. It may something. take an extra second I, or two. I, right. I would argue that, that these are actually two different things. Oh, really? Privacy okay. and security are two different things, right? Um, privacy is this is my data and nobody else is allowed to have it unless he really needs to exactly, express, right. explicitly allow them to have it. Um, and security is a means to get into the, what you say that people protect, can't get. To right. Protect right. Data, good point. Right? I'm glad you're making that differentiation because I think you're making a really good point there, Oliver. Absolutely. Um, and privacy is, is more, well, a philosophical concept or legal concept. Exactly. Right, right. That's a good point. I, I think it, it gets blended so quickly sometimes because we know that we want to keep our stuff private, right? And private means it's being kept, but you, you, you know, it's not going to be shared. But we're also looking at the fact that it's being kept and no one can hack into it and get it despite what the rules say of how you can share your data and stuff like that. So it makes this a really fun topic because it, it's, it's just spiders and spiders and spiders. And one, one thing with privacy is that many people think, well, there's nothing I actually have to hide so what if people know a lot about me the point is um, if you're not private if you're public mm-hmm. being public changes behavior it's a very good point I like uh, that yeah for example a question you don't have to answer that question are you sometimes poking your nose right maybe you are but you won't do it in public. <laughs> I've, right? I've, I've been in a slip from time to time, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but if I actually, you know, if someone hacked my computer and got a hold of my camera, they'd see me picking it all the time. So, yeah, it'd be terrible. <laughs> oh, my goodness. True, true, true. So what else should we, should we be thinking about when it terms to, in terms of you know, the idea that, like, we need some standards to make sure that we have privacy? Um, maybe it's not as going as deep as what GDPR does, but in the States, what should we be thinking about to make sure that, yes, like, all my medical records or all my blood tests are on Quest servers? How can I make sure that there's standards that they're keeping up the, with to the ensure? Funny, the funny yeah. thing is, um, Years ago, where the internet came up, the internet is more or less an American invention, and it's a great thing. 
And um, but at some point we realize, okay, we are connected by this internet, um, and we have different cultures, different communities, different laws between Europe and US and even within Europe. And, but we, we're connected closely. So the question is, if we have different laws, how, how is that possible? How can that work? That's a good right? point. Absolutely. Yeah, see? And, and this so, is why I'm glad so, he's on the show, because yeah. he's bringing these things up. He's so making for, us think. For example, once you're, you're flying, I'm flying a lot, as you know, um, you enter a plane uh, to go into the U.S., the U.S. wants to know everything about you. Maybe not everything, but a lot of things about you. I want to you. know enough to before know what you're you actually, doing. Right. Before you actually enter the plane, that's for security reasons. It's maybe perfectly reasonable. But from a privacy standpoint, this is critical, right? We're now sending data. My data is sent to the United States into a different legal environment. Ooh, this is getting complicated now. Mm-hmm. I, Craig is thinking hard about this right now. Look so, at him. <laughs> so I could, for, for example, you, I can, I can ask anybody. Okay, what, what kind of data have you stored about me? Please tell me. I have to know. I want to know. Right over here, I cannot really do that for two reasons. First, you don't have the laws, and second, I'm not a U.S. citizen. So I'm essentially nobody. Right. We think you're somebody. <laughs> but from a legal perspective. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, and so now that data is transferred. Well, you could say, well, you don't have to go to the United States. Perfectly reasonable. But if, if you're connected on a global basis, for example, I'm just using a Google, right? I'm, I'm using a Google Mail account, meaning my data goes into the United States. It's under U.S. law. And all I'm doing is I'm using a mail server, and as a layman, I might not even be aware that this is now in the U.S., and it's under U.S. law, which is different from my law, and I don't know the law, right? And I might even do something that is against U.S. law. For example, it happened that that Google, I think it was Google, or was it Microsoft? No, it was Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft... Um, removed access to certain kinds of pictures that an, uh, a photographer in the Netherlands did because they thought it was pornographic. Oh, I remember hearing right? about this, right. It, it, it yeah, wasn't yeah. pornographic gotcha. from, from mm-hmm. the Netherlands point of view, but it was pornographic from the U.S. point of view. And nobody ever thought about it un- until we get connected through this thing, the Internet. So what I believed was, at, well, at some point, we need to have, we, we have to find common ground. We have to find some something where we agree on the basic principles of privacy and how. And it covers the entire globe, galaxy. Yeah, 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 at some point, point, everything. It it might be uh, difficult with certain countries, but essentially, with a with a large um, Western blocks, it should be possible, right? We're not that far apart, so we need to find some common ground. What I what I did not expect actually is that Europe kind of went ahead. And now the U.S. seems to be following. Exactly. It's such interesting stuff. And I I think it really sets us up for our next conversation about how we can be more proactive when it comes to, despite the fact that we're behind, how can companies be more proactive in their security to make sure they're covered so you're not like Quest and you're caught with your firewall down, if you know what I mean. And uh, all of a sudden there's a bunch of social security numbers floating about as far as that goes. And I know my friends here from Hornet, security can 
definitely answer some of these questions. So there's so much fascinating stuff going on here, guys. Like I said, it keeps spidering out. The conversation keeps taking these twists and turns. And, and I, I love bringing Oliver's insight in because he's got, I mean, obviously with you being based in Germany, I mean, you're bringing these insights that, that us being based in here in the States just aren't seeing. So I think it just really elevates what we're talking about. So I can't wait to have more of these conversations, You, you said we, you were just in Copenhagen. It yes. was different from whatever you saw over here, right? Exactly. Completely. Well, yeah. Yeah. So that's just how it is. It's and that's different. Just, exactly. Yeah. But we had need to find a way to kind of get these, as you said, to kind of find this commonality. So when we're communicating back and forth and sending data, that it's all under the same the same rules and regulations and standards and expectations, I guess, as well, too. So exciting stuff, man. Can't wait for the next one. This right is going to be great stuff. Hey, Thank this you. Is, this is John the Kirsten with the Pittsburgh Tech Council, hanging out with my guys here from Hornet Security. This is Hornet Cast. It's the buzz of all things cybersecurity. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.